Hey, you're about to hear a great word from our teaching team. At Freedom House, we're about equipping you to experience Christ's freedom every day. We would love to connect with you. We stream our live services Sundays at 10.30 and 12.15 Eastern Standard Time. You can join us at freedomhouse.cc slash live. I hope you enjoyed this message. Welcome to Freedom House. My name is Penny Maxwell. For those of you who I have not had the opportunity to meet, my husband and I are the senior pastors here. Uh, and I am also a part of our teaching team. Our teaching team, for those of you who don't know how we do church, we have live people at all of our campuses that are speaking. We're not video venues, so we don't pipe my husband in. Uh, we have people at each of our campuses who are speaking and teaching live. So guess what? Today you get me. Yeah. Pastor Troy was at South End, and then Mike and Carrie Griffin, who are the service pastors of the 1030 service, they are up at our Lake Norman campus. So we have just been having an amazing time continuing this house party series. And I just have to tell you guys, you are just a little bit spoiled. I mean, last week you had Montel Jordan here kicking off our house party series. Seriously, I just am like, they are so spoiled. But I have to tell you, I was a little bit jealous because I told my husband, I said, never in my life have I ever been jealous of a guy's earrings before. He like, had these three carat diamonds in each, in each ear and I'm just looking at him like, oh, they're gorgeous. And my husband says, you get a number one hit single and you might get some too. <laughs> oh, well, oh, well. Well, hey, we're continuing our house party series, and this is the scripture that we're using to kick things off. Acts chapter 2, verse 46. It says, they followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home. Every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful as they praised God. People in general liked what they saw. Every day their number grew as God added to those who were saved. I love that because what this scripture is saying is they, they didn't just come to church, which is important. They also opened up their houses. And when they opened up their houses, other people who were onlookers liked what they saw, and the church grew and was added to because of people just doing life together, because of people just doing house parties, right? I love this scripture because to me what it says is don't party alone. Don't party alone. I, I tried to go through the Bible and find out how many times people actually had meals together, and had conversation over meals. 21 times it refers to breaking bread. But as far as all the meals that were had together, there were so many I couldn't even count it. And I started thinking, maybe we're tapping into something here. Maybe there's something we ought to take a little bit deeper look at because most of us are running around, we're eating on the go, we're just not even thinking connection. But the truth of the matter is, is the way that we are wired, we are wired as human beings for social connection. It's one of our fundamental human needs. And I also find it so important is because, you know, it wasn't our idea. It was actually God's idea, God's design. God actually himself exists within community. God the Father, 
God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. It's God's idea. So maybe there is something, if we look a little closer, if we dig a little deeper, maybe there is something to this. Because we can oftentimes pride ourselves on our independence, on what we've accomplished, what we've done, that we had to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. I am self-made. But the truth of the matter is, is a lot of the things that you and I strive for, you know, that chiseled body, that house on the lake, the perfect job, you know, all these different things. A lot of times the reason we are striving for those, to get those things, is so we will be accepted by other people. It's not really about the thing, it's about how the thing makes us feel because of what other people think. So oftentimes we're chasing things literally just because we want to be accepted. I read this statistic this week. It said 25% of Americans, only 25% have somebody that they truly feel they can completely confide in. But yet at the core of our being, every single one of us wants that. I like what Brene Brown said. She said this, a deep sense of love and belonging is an irresistible need of all people. We are biologically, cognitively, physically, spiritually wired to love and to be loved and to belong. When those needs are not met, we don't function as we are meant to. We break, we fall apart. We numb, we ache, we hurt others, we get sick. You know, I think that if you asked most people why they neglect community, I think there's two reasons we would get. I want to talk to you about the first one. You know, the first one is most people would say they're too busy. Got a lot going on. You know, we go to work, we come home, the garage door goes down, and we're in for the night. What if, just what if, God was going to stir something in us during this series? And what if we chose to maybe open up our home, open up our heart, and engage with community? I mean, I just kind of determined in my life, there are certain things I'm going to be doing anyway. I might as well invite somebody else into it. I mean, if you're sitting on a plane for four hours, you're not going anywhere. Maybe take the earbuds out and have a conversation with the person that's sitting beside of you. You know, maybe at lunch, instead of going to your car and just doing your own personal Bible study, maybe... You can talk to your coworker because you've been working there five years and you don't even know anything about their kids or their family. Maybe, maybe you've been coming here. You've been coming to Freedom House and, and maybe you sit towards the back and then when church is over, you just kind of leave and nobody else knows anything about your world. Maybe this is a great series to to cause us to ponder and think and connect 
open our heart, open our home. In, in my house, we, we decided that we got to eat anyway. We might as well invite other people in. Come and eat and hang out with us. It's always been our philosophy to have an open table, an open home. In Hebrews 10, 25, it says, Let us not give up the habit of meeting together as some are doing. Instead, let us encourage one another all the more since you see the day of the Lord coming near. What if we do what Jesus always did, which is connect not just with the saints, but with the sinners too? So in our house, since we're already eating, might as well invite you to come eat too, right? I have a 21-year-old, a 19-year-old, and a 17-year-old, two in college, one that's uh, gonna be a senior in high school. We've always just made it a thing in our house that the door's always open, the table is always available. And our kids have always lived by that. I mean, literally, Every single week, there'd just be tons and tons of teenagers and, and young people. You want to gather young people, you feed them, right? So all these young people just come into our house, pour into our house, knowing that there's always a place at the table for them. Oftentimes, there'd be up to 12 young people sitting at our table, and I didn't always plan food out for 12 people, but how many of you know you can just pick up and call pizza, right? What I found is, is these young people didn't care if my house was clean. They didn't care if all the flowers for spring were planted and my yard was completely manicured. They didn't care about anything other than just sitting at the table and feeling like they belonged somewhere. And I found that, that over time, they began to just open up their heart, open up their life. Not because I had the fancy china half the time because they knew they were gonna have to clean up. That was the rule when I had 12 teenagers. I'm like, I will fix you food, but you gotta clean up. And they'd say, okay, Mama P. That's what they call me, Mama P. And we would sit and we would hang out and we would eat together. And they'd just start to unfold their life. What they were going through, what they were walking through. I remember one kid named Eric sat at the table. Eric seemed like he had a wall up most of the time, but this particular day, Eric started to bring his wall down. You see, Eric was a drug dealer at the high school. My kids wanted him to come over. Eric was sitting at the table and I began to ask him how he got started in his pharmaceutical endeavor. <laughs> and Eric said, well, you know, when I was in middle school, I started smoking and then I started selling the cigarettes to other kids and it got me attention, like people noticed me. And he said, you know, I think maybe the biggest reason is, is it just, it made me feel important or made me feel a little numb. He said, and then that didn't work anymore and, and I started getting alcohol and giving that out to my friends. And then after that, it just seemed to kind of wear off. I just started giving out drugs to people. And I said, man, why do you, what is it that, 
that those drugs, what is it, Eric, that they're doing for you? And he said, you know, Mama P, it just kind of makes me forget about my life. He said, it just, I feel kind of like at that moment in time, I just can feel numb. I don't have to think about what's going on. He's dropping little breadcrumbs, and I'm picking up what he's dropping. And I said, Eric, what is going on? And he put his head down, and a tear began to come down his face. And he said, I don't even know if my family knows I exist. He said, my mom and dad, they both live in the same house, but they fight all the time. They don't really talk to me. I kind of come and go. He said, sometimes I kind of wish they'd ask me what I was doing. Sometimes I kind of wish that they'd give me some rules or tell me not to do something. He said, but I, I don't even really exist. And he said, they just argue and fight. And, and it's like I, I'm, I'm completely not even in the room. I feel alone. I feel isolated. So right at that moment where I started to tell Eric about someone who would always be there, who would always love him, who when he felt lonely, all he had to do was just call on the name of Jesus. Eric asked me a few questions, and then I asked him, I said, do you want to meet Jesus? And he said, sure. Tear coming down the other side of his face now. He pushed his pizza on the styrofoam plate back. He bowed his head and closed his eyes and everybody around that table that day held hands and we prayed for Eric. Nothing extravagant, nothing extraordinary, just pizza on a styrofoam plate and a heart that said you belong. You know what I found? I found that every single one of those teenagers who gathered around our table, every single one of them looked at our family, looked at our life and said, you just make me feel loved. They all started coming to church. Some of them are still here. Some of them have gone off to college and some of them are still trying to find their way like Eric. But do you know what I know is that whenever Eric is in town, I get a text message, I get an Instagram, it says, Mama P, what's for dinner tonight? I said, Eric, we're having lasagna, come over. Jamond, we're having lasagna, come over. He said, are you making my pie that I like? I will if you're coming, Jamond. Ethan, what you up to today? Mama P, I was out working at the car um, the car wash, and I got sunburned. You always tell me that I need to wear sunscreen. I didn't wear it. You see, they're looking for somebody to care. They're looking for somebody to say, you belong. Listen, doesn't matter what you're doing. You belong first. Then you believe. Then you behave. But we as Christians, we get that bass backwards sometimes. Come on. Yes, I said that. We expect you to believe like me, behave like me, and then you can belong. Jesus never said that. He said, you come as you are and let me deal with the rest.
Do you know, Pastor Troy is great at this. Do you know, I, I kid you not, half of our Lake Norman campus is people he met at the gym. He was there anyway. They look at his muscles and they say, Jesus can help you get those muscles. I'm gonna go to church. If you ever go to our Lake Norman campus, it's a lot of CrossFitters who came to, to Jesus because of Troy Maxwell. And then they came and found Jesus and brought somebody to Jesus. And then they, that's how it happened. Just loving people well, not trying to be the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has a job. And sometimes I think we try to take his job. And he's like, hey, I got this. I'm good. I got it. Too busy. The next one, and this one I'm gonna dig deep in for a little bit, is we're too afraid. What exactly do you mean? What I mean is we don't wanna be vulnerable. We don't wanna risk. And you see in community, in order for it to work the way it should, there is a vulnerability that has to take place, a risk that has to happen. But most of us, most of us will only let you get this far. And I thought I would show it to you like this since we just had a royal wedding not long ago. Most of us are living life behind the veil. We are saying, I'm only gonna let you, but so close. Why do we do that? Because we think, we think we're protecting ourselves from getting hurt. You know, see, I wanna place this expectation on you of perfection. That, that you, you need to be perfect in order to get behind here. The truth of the matter is, is what's behind here isn't perfect. But I have that expectation on you. You can't get close unless I examine, 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 examine. And can I just tell you, every single person in your life is gonna come up short if you are looking for perfection in a relationship. So we stay behind the veil. Why do we do that? Because I've been hurt. Somebody's done me wrong. The last church hurt me, so I will not give, I will not serve, I will not get in community. I'm gonna stay behind the veil. And we miss out on the blessings of God because we're in hiding. And God is just saying, why don't you let somebody in? Why do you keep the veil on? You know what we do when we keep the veil on? What we do is we say, I'm gonna hold you responsible for every other person that came in my life and hurt me. I'm not giving you access because of what they've done. And that's not fair. You know, uh, people ask me a lot. They say, you and Pastor Troy are like really out there. You're in the lobby. You're engaging. You're like doing life with people. It's intentional. We've been hurt too, guys. We've been hurt a lot. There's a lot of y'all, only two of us, right? I mean, there's a lot of things that happen in relationship. And we know that in the position that we're in, 
We've got to have thick skin and a soft heart. Not the other way around. And those of you who are sitting out there in seats today, you've been hurt too. You've been hurt by somebody in leadership. You've been hurt in relationship by a friend, maybe a spouse. And you make these inner vows that say, never again. And whoop, there goes the veil. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, but we all with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord and being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. We like to hide behind a veil because it's a false sense of security. You see, Jesus, when he died on the cross and rose again, it says the veil was torn in two and we had complete access to God where we didn't have it before. But some of us are still modeling the veil mentality. Where did that come from? Well, we know that Jesus came and tore the veil. Where did the veil come from in the first place? Why is it so easy for us to want to do that, to hide? Genesis 3.10, it happened in the garden. Adam and Eve sinned. They fell. They made a mistake. And instead of exposing themselves to God and saying, God, we've done this, their first response was to hide. And we've been doing it ever since. We've been in community veiled, hiding. And God says, Adam, where are you? God does not ask a question because he does not know the answer. It wasn't like, Adam, peekaboo, I can't see you. He asked Adam where he was because in order for Adam to change, he must acknowledge where he is and that he's hiding. So Adam says, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. It's the same order that we do it. We're afraid because we, we feel naked, vulnerable, exposed, opened, so we hide. Over and over and over again. I love, uh, I love in the Bible this story. It's, uh, it's one of my favorites, and I never initially understood why Jesus did this, but Jesus goes up to this fig tree. How many of you heard the story? Jesus walks up to a fig tree, and he curses the fig tree, and it withers and dies, right? And I remember thinking, why did he do that? What did the little old fig tree ever do to Jesus? I mean, it seemed a little out there. Well, you know, it didn't have figs on it. Just go on about your business, Jesus. Why, why curse the tree and make it shrivel up and die? Well, you see, once you understand how and why that story was written, it makes a really clear picture. You see, fig trees are different than any other fruit trees. You see, most fruit trees, apples, pears, plums, oranges, peaches, what happens, the leaves grow in, then these little flowers come on the tree, 
and then the flowers turn into fruit. Not so with a fig tree. Completely the opposite. Actually, in a fig tree, the figs grow first. Then, once the figs grow in, the leaves come in around the figs. I brought a picture to show you what it looks like when they're growing. The figs grow first, then the leaves. Now, let's take that information, that knowledge, let's go back to the Word of God and figure out what is Jesus trying to say here. Matthew 21, 18, it says, In the morning as he returned to the city, he meaning Jesus, he was hungry. Everybody say he was hungry. In other words, Jesus had a need that needed to be met. He was hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the road, Jesus having a need and seeing a way to meet that need, right? Saw the fig tree by the road. He came to it and he found nothing on it but leaves. And he said to it, let no fruit grow on you ever again. Immediately the fig tree withered away. If that fig tree had leaves on it, what should have also been on that tree? The fruit. Because the fruit comes first in a fig tree. So Jesus is walking down the road. He's got a need. He's hungry. He sees something that should provide for his need. From a distance, it looks good. From a distance, it's got all the leaves in place. Jesus gets up on that fig tree. He looks up under the leaves and he realizes there's nothing there. It's interesting to me how that was a fig tree. Because you see, Adam and Eve did the same thing. Many of us do the same thing from a distance Everything looks really good, but we're hiding behind fig leaves because our ancestors did it. We continually want to hide, want to cover those parts of us that are the most vulnerable, the most sensitive. So Jesus was reminded of what had been a problem throughout time. He was constantly calling out the Pharisees. You look really good with your phylacteries in your robes, but really, upon further examination, when I look into your life, it's just dead man's bones. That's what he would say to the Pharisees, called them whitewashed tombs. You see, Jesus has a problem with fake and fruit. He has a problem with hiding. You see, I just wonder, what if that little fig tree could have admit that it had an issue? Maybe some loving pruning could have brought about some fruit. But what happens, unless we're willing to expose, unless we're willing to admit, nothing ever changes. Because, see, we, we are fearful of exposure. I was afraid. Because I was naked, so I hid. In Luke chapter 19, Aaron, can I borrow you for a minute? In Luke chapter 19, 
there's this little guy named Zacchaeus. Anybody ever heard the story of Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Y'all know this, right? If you don't tell me you do, I'm going to keep singing. <laughs> so Zacchaeus is a small guy. And Zacchaeus, will you hold the ladder for me? Zacchaeus knows that Jesus is going to be coming by, coming through the city. But there's a few problems. You see, the problem is, is Zacchaeus is little and the crowd is huge. The other problem is that Zacchaeus is a big time sinner. And Zacchaeus is known to be a tax collector. Tax collectors, everybody knew not only did they take taxes, they took extra for themselves. They were thieves. Zacchaeus was not just a tax collector. He was a chief tax collector. In other words, chief sinner. Zacchaeus knew that, that people didn't like him. And he's thinking, what am I going to do in a crowd of people that do not like me? And I'm a little guy. And I, I want to see this Jesus dude that everybody's talking about. Like, what am I going to do? So Zacchaeus comes up with this idea, right? Zacchaeus decides he's going to climb the sycamore tree. Now, the only reason I have Aaron standing there is because all of our security team was freaking out when I did this earlier. So this is to appease them. But, you know, truthfully, can I just say this? You know, when they were fussing at me for climbing up the ladder by myself, I started to think, you know what? They actually, it's a good scriptural point that they make. Because the higher that God wants to take you, the bigger your vision, you better make sure somebody's holding your ladder. You better make sure that the right people are in your world. Who is holding your ladder? Thank you for the golf clap. I like that. Come on, yeah, there you go. So our guys were freaking out that I was getting on a ladder, and I said to them, do you realize that I'm good. And they're like, you're wearing high heels. And I said, I know, but I'm a girl. We can do this sort of thing. I can also hammer a nail into the wall too like this. Just, just bring me one. So let's go back to Zacchaeus so I can not stress out all the guys around me, right? So Zacchaeus is climbing up in this sycamore tree. He's looking around. He's trying to get a glimpse of Jesus. Where is he? I know he's coming by. He's coming by soon. He spots Jesus off in the distance, thinking, if I could just get a glimpse, if I could just get a glance of this guy that I've heard about. And then something interesting happens. The crowd is moving in and getting closer and closer. And, and Jesus starts looking his way. And then something amazing happens. Jesus begins to have a conversation while Zacchaeus is up in the sycamore tree. The thing that most of us in here don't know is that a sycamore tree is a type of fig tree. You can Google it later. <laughs> Not now while I'm preaching. But a sycamore tree is from the fig family. 
So here is Zacchaeus hiding away again, more hiding in the fig leaves. Jesus sees Zacchaeus and he says, come down. In other words, Zacchaeus, stop hiding. Come down. Let me see you. Let me talk to you. Get out of the tree. Come down here. And you know Zacchaeus is thinking, but they don't like me. They know who I am. They know what I've done. But Jesus is saying, do you know who I am? Come on down out of that tree. And he comes down the tree and Jesus looks at Zacchaeus and he says to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, I'm coming over your house today. We're gonna have a house party at your house, Zacchaeus. And the thing I love about that is all these people, you know, they're looking around and they're like, what the heck? Why is Jesus going over a chief sinner's house? But Jesus goes over to Zacchaeus' house and the Bible says that not only Zacchaeus gets saved, but his entire household. But he had to come down out of hiding and be willing to engage in community. And that can be a little bit scary, especially when you've built walls. One of my other favorite Bible stories are there's these four guys in the Bible. Can I borrow you? And can I borrow you? Come on, don't you shake your head no at me. One, two, three. All right, let me see. Evan, don't you look at your shoes. I'm looking at you. Let me borrow you too. He's like, oh, look, oh, look, she learned looking at me. Come on, I need some big brawny men up here. All right, so here's what we're gonna do. Here's the deal. You guys are gonna help me teach this lesson. Does that sound good? Okay, so here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna have you come over here, and Evan, you over here. Aaron, I'm gonna have you in the middle, turn this direction, and have you two on this end. You can do it, come on, you're all right. You're all right. No, y'all go look this way. Look at Aaron. There you go, you two, there you go. All right, you can back up just a little. All right, you're making me nervous. I'm just kidding. All right, so here we go. So here's the story. We are jumping into, I want to give you three points here, okay? Why should I be in community? Why? The first one is, is you can't get where you need to go on your own. You cannot get where you need to go on your own. So here we have these two guys, you know, and they're awesome, right? And then they have these other two friends. But see, there's this guy in the middle, and the guy in the middle, he's paralyzed. He's been paralyzed his entire life. But he hears that Jesus is gonna be in the city. But he can't get there, right? He can't get there because he's paralyzed. So what happens? His two friends, all right, y'all turn around. I want you to get Aaron underneath of his arms and I want you guys to get Aaron's feet. And turn to the side so everybody can see. All right, so Aaron is paralyzed and Aaron needs help, but Aaron can't get where Aaron needs to go. So Aaron has four friends that say, hey, yo man, it's all right. 
You, you can't get where you're going, but we can get you there because we're your friends. So what they do is they decide to take him to go see Jesus. And they follow me. Yes. And they're very careful. But Aaron, just think, you're paralyzed, so even if they drop you, it won't hurt. All right, y'all got the paralyzed man? All right, see, what we're going to do now is we're going to go and we're going to see Jesus. So y'all follow me because in this house, you see, Jesus is there and he's doing all kinds of miracles. And Aaron can't get there, but his four friends can, right? So we're we're getting up and, and we see there's a problem. You see, there's all these people that are everywhere around the house and they realize that they can't get Aaron inside. Most people would have said, hey, man, yeah, we tried. Sorry, peace out. I mean, we gave it a good old college try, right? <laughs> we did everything we knew to do. But not these guys. You know what these guys did? They said, we're going to come up with another way. So then they followed me some more. <laughs> they looked for an entrance to try to get into the house. But everywhere they went, there were people just all around the house. But then they had this idea. They said, there's no door that we can get into. So what if we climbed up on the roof? What if, what if we took Aaron up on the roof and we cut a hole in the top and we lowered Aaron down through the roof? So what they did is they began to climb. And they began to climb. And they began to climb. Because they were good friends. They began to climb. Okay, right there. We're going to stop right there. All right. Now, we're going to hold this for a minute. Thank you. Pull his pants back up. Good job. So here's what I want you to see, because this is the part where most of us exit from community. I'm okay if you, if you carry me and you drop me from right here. It's about three feet But when I got to trust you with my heart, with everything, you drop me from up there, it's a whole different ball game. So most of the time, what we do is we go, ah, stop right there. This is as far as I'm going to let you take me. But you see, what we forget is that we're paralyzed, that we're not going to get where we need to get on our own. So we stop short, we keep the veil up, and we want to be safe. Hey, man, thanks for getting me there. Three feet, that's about all I want to go. But they're going, no, 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 man, we can get you to Jesus. You're, no, no, that's as far as I want to go. I don't want to risk anymore. And what most people do, all right, you guys can bring him down, is they settle. They never climb the ladder. All right, you can put him down. Now, you didn't know you were going to get a workout at church today, did you? Give him a tissue. 
It's like T.D. Jakes up here. Say, get ready, get ready, get ready. Say, get ready. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Get ready, get ready. There you go. A little T.D. Jakes coming out. Yeah. You see, what happens is, is, is we stop short of our miracle for fear. It's a little heavy. I'm, I'm a little afraid. But not only that day did that man get his physical healing, Jesus said, pick up your mat, your sins are completely forgiven. Do you know what a lot of us don't realize? A lot of us don't realize, we, we look at somebody like him, step forward. We look at somebody like him, and we think, oh, he, he doesn't need to be carried. He needs to be the one carrying. But even the strongest have to have mat times too. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. You see, what all of us don't realize is that in a different way, every single one of us are paralyzed somehow. Every single one of us needs somebody else to help us get where we need to be. We can't do it on our own. Another reason you should be in community, number two, is you need connection. You need connection. Having a community to rely on means that you're surrounded by people who know exactly what's going on with you and what you are going through. James 3.18 says, you can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoy its results only, only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other. Amazing. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says, two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. I love that. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Number three of why you need to be in community, because you need to grow. Communities, by their very nature, contain a diversity of opinion and ideas and knowledge that you wouldn't have without the whole, that you would never get, you would never hear without being in proximity. And sometimes, sometimes we, 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 we just don't realize that the very answer we need to a problem that we have, someone else is holding the key to it. Somebody else has the answer that you are looking for. People help us grow. But sometimes we, we pull back because sometimes that growth looks like iron sharpening iron. Right? And when iron sharpens, iron sparks fly sometimes. But did you know that's okay? You see, most of us grew up in households that correction wasn't done appropriately. So we run from correction. We run anytime we feel any sort of a, you know, twinge. But God is just saying, have you read Proverbs? It's good. If you're not being corrected, somebody's not loving you. 
We can't run away from community because somebody might say something we don't like or, or their hurt might bump up into our hurt. What I've found is when that happens, it actually lets me know what I need to work on. Why did that bother me? Why did that land on me the way it landed on me? And it allows me to become a better person. It's not a license to exit relationship. And granted, there are some relationships that are destructive and they need to be cut off. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about fear of doing relationship and healthy community because of what someone else has done to us. When we could simply just take the veil off and do life together. Would you stand up on your feet with me today? Can everybody just close their eyes and bow their heads? I just wanna ask you this question. Is there maybe a fig leaf in your life today? Something that's keeping you back? You know what I can tell you? I can tell you that the way we deal with other people is a direct mirror in how we see God. If we are struggling to trust and let others in, I can promise you that's the same issue we have with God. The way that we mirror relationships is in direct result of how we view our Heavenly Father. Would you be willing today to just take off the fig leaf, to allow people to get close to you, allow yourself to get close to other people despite what's happened? You see, if I decide to take my fig leaf off, all that simply means is I'm trusting that God is bigger than the hurt. I just feel like God is in here doing something right now in some people's lives that maybe grew up in a family where the, the mindset is, don't want nobody up in my business. I'm so glad that Jesus reached out to us and didn't leave us how we were. That he chose to have relationship with imperfect people. Knowing we were imperfect, but still engaging in healthy community. If you're in here today and you just say, man, you know, I think I've got some fig leaves that I need to take a look at. I'm not gonna call you up front. I'm not gonna single you out. If you just say, man, I think that's me. I, I got some fig leaves I need to look at. Would you just raise your hand and you can put it back down? Thank you so much for all the honesty. That's the first step is just saying, I got fig leaves. I got fig leaves and I wanna take them off today. Anybody else before I say this prayer, get in on this. Thank you. 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 Thank you in the back, on the left. Thank you in the front. Thank you in the middle. Thank you in the front. Who else? Get in on this prayer. Thank you. Can I just um, be real vulnerable with you? One of the biggest things that has helped in my relationship with my husband, 
and I just feel like I'm specifically speaking this to the men in this room right now. I didn't share this in any of the other services. I just feel like there's some men in here that are afraid to just be vulnerable with their wives. And I just want you to know, you can still be a hero and succumb to kryptonite. Your wife doesn't need you perfect. She's not looking for perfection, but she does want your heart without the veil. She wants in. Whatever struggles you're going through, whatever disappointments you're feeling, she actually wants to know so she can be there with you, so she can walk with you. I just felt like God specifically said that for this service, that there were some people in here, some men in here, that learning the manly thing is not just keeping it all in, but learning to be vulnerable and share and speak out when you're hurt when you're frustrated or when you feel broken because she's flesh of your flesh and bone of your bone and there is nothing more attractive to a godly woman than a vulnerable godly man let's just all of us in here just say this together say heavenly father we come to you right now with an unveiled face we just come into your throne room God, and we just ask you to meet us there. Wipe away all things from the past. Give us a fresh start, a new beginning with an unveiled face. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe. And hey, if you want to find out more about our church or how you can be a part, go to freedomhouse.cc.